I mean, this, you know, this, this may be a bit crude, but I mean, I don't know no other way to say it. Uh, I want to talk about um, booty calls. Now, some of you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, but let me let, let me let you know something. You may not know anything about him but he knows everything about you. And religious folk may make you feel like because you haven't come to the altar or because we haven't baptized you yet, uh, because you may, not, you may not go to church, that somehow the Holy Spirit of God does not want anything to do with you. Not so. Right now, wherever you are, if you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your space, the Holy Spirit will step into your life and he will strengthen all of the weak areas of your life. And he will make himself so real to you that you will run to God. And you're trying to figure out, where do I get the strength? Where do I get the strength to do this? I'm not strong enough to do this. I believe you. Very, no, no, nobody is really strong enough. Certain soul ties, nobody's strong enough to just break that on their own. All of us need divine assistance. And I'm here to tell you that that divine assistance that you need is in the person of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. He says, he says, walk in the spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh works against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So if you want to overcome something that is a hindrance in your flesh, you got to learn to live your life in the spirit. That's not hard. That's just a matter of inviting the Holy Spirit to come into your life, into the weak areas of your life, and asking him to give you a revelation of his will for you, who you really are, and to uproot everything that has been planted in your life that did not come from the Father. That's the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He comes to empower us to be more like our Father, more like our creator. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Listen to this now, to the pulling down of strongholds. See, there are too many of you that want, want to do spiritual warfare without spiritual grounding. You have a spiritual problem, my dear. When you start saying, listen to me very well now, please listen to me. When you start saying to me 
Somebody beats me. Somebody brings STDs home to me. Somebody's tied my life up for 10 years and has not married me. Somebody is abusive to my children. Somebody is living in my house and won't get a job, using my car, having affairs and all of this kind of thing. And then you say, but I don't know. I don't know how to live without them. Baby, that's that's spiritual. That's spiritual. Think about it. You're too intelligent to even make a statement like that. That is a spiritual problem. That is what we call classic spiritual warfare. And you cannot effectively do spiritual warfare without the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, you know, I I know I have all kinds of... uh, People on here from all over the world got different kinds of religions and all that kind of thing. And I'm not proselytizing. I'm just I just have to tell you the truth. You know, that's why. Okay, that's why Jesus is Jesus is is, I rule. I rule with Jesus because Jesus Christ shifted my life from bondage to victory. On a daily basis, the Holy Spirit that I'm teaching you about is the one that keeps me, keeps my mind sane, it keeps my life pure. Come on now. And there are many of you who are searching for that. And and I would be less than a man of integrity if I didn't tell you that is in the Holy Spirit. You have to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. And that simply requires you saying, I've done everything I know to do. I can't do no more. I'm tired of this and I give it to you. I I want you to come in and take rulership over my life. Contrary to what you've been taught about the Christian church and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't jump on you and you all out of control. You have to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And to whatever extent you invite him, he will operate in your life and he will bring his victory and he will bring his peace into your life and into your world in a way that will revolutionize and transform your world. So you have to surrender to the Holy Spirit. My flesh is out of control. I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making bad decisions. I'm teaching you how to talk to him. I'm making bad decisions. I'm jeopardizing my future. I'm jeopardizing my children. I'm jeopardizing my career, my reputation. I'm dealing with somebody that has clearly shown me they did not come from God. And I need this person out of my life, uproot this person out of my flesh. All of these desires that I have for this person, take them away. And let me tell you something. If you pray like that, the Holy Spirit will move that person out of your life. I promise you he will. I promise you he will. This thing is bigger than, uh, you know, a program is bigger than a book. It's bigger than a, a YouTube message. You got to have the Holy Spirit to help you with this. All right. Number four, these five things, these five things got to happen. You, you, you're never going to break this soul tie until this happens. You got to hit rock bottom. You got to hit rock bottom. Number two, you got to integrate your soul in your body. Number three, you got to surrender to the Holy Spirit. And now number four, you got to choose your pain. You got to choose your pain. You got to choose your pain. 
That's why I don't really know what to say to you when you when you when you ask me, you know, what to do when you're telling me that you already know you got a demon and the part of you that somebody I don't I, I I just don't know how to let them go. You got to choose your pain because everybody what I'm what I'm discovering. Listen to this very carefully. What I'm discovering is that everybody. Everybody. Is trying to find a pain free exit from a soul tie. That's that's really what everybody's looking for. You want me to to write something back to you, some kind of magical formula that's going to give you a pain free exit from a soul tie. There will be pain either way, but you got to choose your pain. You either choose the pain of letting this go, separating yourself from this situation, moving forward without this individual, letting your heart break so your soul can heal, letting your heart break so your soul can heal. You're going to either experience that pain, which is temporary, and you will soon heal and move forward, hopefully with a greater wisdom and never make this mistake again, or you're going to suffer the pain of wasting your life with somebody that God did not give you. And you wake up one day as an old woman or an old man, and you realize that you gave your whole life away You gave all of your youth away, all of your best years away to somebody because you had this 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 bind, this this tie in your mind that just wouldn't let you release this person. And you chose the pain of a wasted life over the pain of breaking this tie. It's going to hurt. Either way, it's going to hurt. The pain of letting this person go is temporary. If you do it with God, if you allow the Holy Spirit to usher you through it, he'll not only usher you through it, he'll get it out of you. You're going to either choose that pain or you're going to choose the pain of a wasted life. Now, that's just real. That's just real. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna sit up here year after year after year and you're going to waste all of your youth with somebody that should have never gotten a conversation with you. And then by the time you wake up, all of your youth will be gone. All of your confidence will be gone. This person will rob you of everything. And you'll have to live the rest of your life realizing that you wasted, squandered God's greatest gift to you, and that's life. You don't squander life. I'd rather go on and deal with this situation, let my heart break so my soul can heal and let me move forward in life properly than to keep sitting here like somebody that does not have a clue, allowing you to stay in my life and drain every good thing that God has put in my life out of me year after year after year after year. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 10. 
He says, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to this here. Listen to this. Are y'all listening? Listen. After that, ye have suffered a while. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Powerful text. That's 1 Peter 5 and 10. He says, the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while, it ain't going to last. But there's purpose behind the suffering. Make you perfect. That means to mature you, establish you, strengthen you, and then ultimately settle you. Oh, my goodness. This is some preaching right here. You have to commit yourself to the process because there ain't no pain free way out. It's going to hurt one way or the other. Choose your pain. Thank you. Choose your pain. I believe I'm I believe I'm here tonight to usher deliverance into some of you all's lives. You've been playing around with this, just patty kicking with this. Choose your pain. Ain't no pain free pain free way out. I can't I can't send you no email that's going to give you a pain free way out. Exiting sin always hurts. It always hurts the flesh, but it simultaneously builds the spirit. And when the spirit is built, the spirit takes authority over the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and then authority over the flesh. It's going to hurt, but you got to choose your pain. Thank you. You got to choose your pain. Get my book, read it. But when you get through reading it, you got to choose your pain. Got the whole Soul Ties online program on my website. Go and get it. But when you get through watching all of those hours and all of those sessions, you got to choose your pain. If you wake up tomorrow and you say, I'd rather the pain of another wasted day. And then that turns into another wasted week. And that turns into another wasted six months, another wasted year, another decade. And it ultimately ends with a wasted life. If you choose that, that's what you're going to get. Or you choose the pain of separating yourself. Breaking that stronghold, breaking that connection. Moving forward with your life. And then number five, these five things got to happen. For those of you that came in late, you will never break a soul tie until you, number one, hit rock bottom. My prayer for you tonight is that you hit rock bottom. My prayer for you tonight is that you hit rock bottom. Just like the prodigal son hit rock bottom. My prayer for you tonight is that you hit rock bottom. Thank you. Number two, you got to integrate your spirit, your soul, and your body. To integrate means to make uh, things come into one, synchronize, where your spirit, your soul, and your body are on the same page. Where your spirit is not saying one thing, your, your soul is saying something else, and your poor body don't know which way to go. 
but there's the integration of your spirit, your soul, and your body. Number three, you got to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And then number four, we said you got to choose your pain. What kind of pain do you want? Do you want the pain of a wasted life? Or do you want the pain of a separation? Do you want the pain of allowing your heart to break so your soul may heal? Thank you. Do you would you rather the pain of a broken heart to accomplish a healed soul? And then number six or number five, rather, I'm sorry. You got to live for your future over your feelings. See, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You're living for your feelings, man. You are presently living for your feelings. You're living for that sexual feeling. You're living for that, you know, feeling of uh, that old fake feeling of fulfillment with your little fake situationship, calling it a relationship just for your Instagram photos. You got to live for your future over your feelings. Right now, you are sacrificing your future for your feelings. You are sacrificing your future for your feelings. Thank you so much. You have to make up your mind that I am going to live for my future and not my feelings. And see, that's a that's a massive problem. That's a massive problem when you when you live for your feelings and not your future. It's a massive problem. It's a problem in 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 in, in a whole lot of areas in life. It's a problem um, with how people uh, choose relationships. You choose your relationships based on your uh, emotional and sexual feelings. Somebody that moves you sexually, you know, that's how you make your, your relational choices. Male and female, dudes do it and women do it, you know. You, you're choosing somebody that's moving you sexually. They look good and they got swag or or she fine and she got uh, sex appeal and all this kind of stuff. And you never get to the deeper stuff. Thank you so much. You never get to the deeper stuff, you know. Does this person really qualify for where I'm going. See, really, when you start when you start living for your future over your feelings, watch this. A lot of people, I want you all to hear me now, and I'm talking to the sisters right now. A lot of guys that you say, ah, there just ain't no connection there. You go back and analyze it. That's a brother that was designed to go and build a future with. You send him packing while you took what you got now because he was fine, he had swag, and you made a decision based on your feelings. Well, if making a decision based on your feelings got you in the mess, stands the reason that you probably need to do the reverse to get out of the mess. You can't stay in the situation because of your feelings. Thank you so much. You have to now begin to make decisions even if they hurt you have to make decisions for your future. You got to live for your future, not your feelings. 
I'm going to pray for you all in a minute. Listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30 and 19. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Listen, 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 listen. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. The choice you make, your children will be impacted by it. Choose. You got to live for your future over your feelings. This is not about my feelings. This is about my future. This is about the plan of God for my life. I made some I made some decisions and I made some mistakes and I made some commitments to somebody that I had no business even having a a conversation with. And now I got to by all by any means necessary. I got to break the stronghold of this bondage off of my life. And it doesn't matter what I feel like in my in my sick soul with my broken consciousness. I got to make a move for my future. Because God has more for me than this. God has more for me than this. And see, watch this, watch this. Y'all listen to me now. Listen to me. Why are you wasting all of this time with a woman or with a man that God did not ordain for your life? And you got this soul tie bringing you all the way down a trail that's leading all the way away from what you even believe. You are wasting the time that should have been invested in preparing yourself to be the mate to the person that God ordained. But you preoccupied with foolishness and you making decisions every day. You living for your, you living for your feelings over your future. Some point you got to wake up and say, this ain't me. This is not the way it's going down. This is not what God has ordained for me. I'm better than I'm better than this. I've made some mistakes. I'm not going to let the devil tie me up with a, you know, a zip tie of guilt and keep me locked down to a place and a space. I'm, I'm better than what I've done. I have a I have an understanding. I have a witness and a revelation in my spirit. And now I'm going to do like the prodigal son. I'm going to come to myself. I'm going to get up from here and I'm going to get back to where I'm supposed to be. Because it ain't too late for you. It's not too late for you. But you got to make some serious decisions. It's not the will of God for your life to just be squandered. Am I making sense? It's just not the will of God for your life to be squandered. It's not too late for you. I promise you it's not too late for you. Don't even tell me about what your age is. It's not too late for you. Don't tell me about how long you've been tied up in this, how long you've been doing this, how many times you said you was out and you, you know, you turn back around. They keep making promises. You keep. I know all of that happened, but it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. 
You got to just be willing. Watch this. You got to be willing to embrace a season of aloneness. I think that's probably the most frightening thing for people who have a broken consciousness is the idea of being alone. Don't know how to be alone. And so you hang on. You hang on. I want to pray for you tonight, if I may. I want to pray for you tonight, if I may. Father, I thank you for the revelation. I thank you for even putting upon my heart to deal with this tonight. And now, Father, I know that there are many that are on here tonight who are struggling with the very thing that I'm discussing. You would not have put it on my heart. You would not have put it on my heart if you did not intend it to reach those who need it. And now, Father, I speak victory. Same way you came into my life, Holy Spirit, and put everything in order, put everything in divine order. I thank you now for doing the same thing for them. They say, well, I don't, I don't know God. I don't know Jesus Christ. I'm not a religious person. Holy Spirit, I know those things don't matter to you. Move in their lives so that they can know your reality and give them an experience with you of setting them completely and totally free. Because with you, it is never too late. It's, it's too late with men, but it's never too late with you. And now, Father, I thank you for giving them a sense of your forgiveness, your redemption, cleansing them, Father, from the inside to the outside. Let them receive now, Father. Let them receive. Let them receive victory now over all areas of their lives. And Satan, the Lord rebukes you every stronghold, every weapon that you have established against the Lord's people is pulled down in Jesus' name. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love you all. I, I really do. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And my prayer for you is that you will hit rock bottom sooner than later. There's something you're going to learn at rock bottom that you never learned when you were on the mountain peak. And so I speak that over your life, that this is the season for you to be free and for every stronghold to be broken off of your life in the name of Jesus. I love you all. I thank God for you. Don't forget to stop by rcblakes.com. Uh, content for Queenology 2.0 is up on my website as my newest online program. You can go and get it. Everything we covered in the conference, those of you that uh, were not a part of the cyber conference, you can go to the website and you can pick up on Queenology 2.0 and you'll have it. You'll be up to speed. Our next one is going to happen in December and that's going to be the second part. Uh, you can be up to speed with us by December, well, before December, really. And uh, just know that Lisa and I love you. Uh, don't forget to go and sign up for my mailing list. I need you on my mailing list. 
and so many other things, so many other things. Keep your, keep your ears to the ground, um, thinking about doing something with Kingology for my, for my brothers. So I need you to tell all of your sons and your boyfriends and your husbands that I'm going to need them to help me out with that. I'm thinking about doing a, a cyber conference type situation for the men as well. So I love you. I thank God for you. And um, just know that Lisa and I are always, we are always praying for you. I know I'm forgetting something, uh, but it'll come to me later. God, God bless you. I want you to go in peace and just know that everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. God got your back. I love y'all. Talk to you real soon. God bless you. And thank you, everybody that sold into to my life tonight. I thank you so much. I'm just trying to um, do what God has called me to do. And I appreciate you for being a blessing to Lisa and I. It means the world. Good night from London. God bless you, London. Good night from London. We love you. Have a great night. I love you all. Have a good one. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Fact about it, those of you that were in the conference with me um, on my channel, I answered the questions that I did not get a chance to answer. In fact, about it, we're going to send you a, in the in the in your email. We're, we're going to send you the link to my answering the questions. But it is already up on on YouTube. I uploaded it earlier today. You can go and look. It's an hour's worth of questions that I that I answered. Uh, you can go and look at it when we're done. But God bless you. I love you. Have a great night, and I'll talk to you real soon. God bless you. If you would like more information or for other resources, please visit us on the web at rcblakes.com.
believe a man is supposed to take care of his woman. I don't care how much money your woman makes. A man is supposed to have his mindset on taking care of his woman. Talk. I mean, this, you know, this, this may be a bit crude, but I mean, I don't know no other way to say it. Uh, I want to talk about um, booty calls. Hey man, this is R.C. Blakes, and I am so excited to be able to talk to you today um, along the lines of something that's dear to my heart. I just recently um, dropped my book, Kingology. Everybody knows about Queenology. Clearly, that message has gone around the world, but now we're, we're working on Kingology. And the subtitle says, The Return of the King. And my objective in writing this book and what I'm going to do today is basically just kind of read from a particular chapter and expound. But my purpose for writing the book is uh, that I would like to, in, in, in my own way, uh, help this generation of men return to what I call classical manhood um, slash kingology. You know, the concepts of a classical man, in, in, from my perspective, a biblical man, uh, a king of a man, as opposed to a lot of the buffoonery that we see today that is paraded um, before us as manhood. And I think it takes a man to say to a generation of misguided men that uh, you're, you're probably, in fact, definitely you're off, you're off step with what the creator designed or intended for you. You know, God intended for you to be more than uh, a haircut and uh, gold chains. God intended for you to be more than that. I know that you know i'm I'm an older guy, and this is a new generation that has come on, and I guess that's my doorbell and <laughs> and you have um you have your own style, you have your own swag, but I don't believe in any generation that God intended for you to walk around with your underwear showing. Uh, I believe that's the purpose of a belt why I have on a a Louis Vuitton belt with the big LV on it and it's hanging around your knees. See, these are, these are conditions that are imprinted upon your consciousness and your subconsciousness through society. And it diminishes the excellent um, being you really are, the king you really are. You're, you're a king, but the world will encourage you to dress like a jester, a clown. And so, you know, I mean, you may write me off, but these are my opinions. If you want, if you want to be in a room where you can make million dollar deals, you have to know the dress code unless you're a rapper or a football player. And most of you all are neither. So if you're going to be in that room, you're going to have to know how you have to know the dress code as a king. You're going to have to know the protocols. And so that's my purpose for writing this book. It's a return to classical manhood. The way I was trained, 
I had a great father who was a great man in every respect. He was a great husband. He was a great father. He was a great man. He was a man's man. He was a strong man. He had his money together. He had his spiritual life on point. Uh, He was a leader in his community. And so I'm just taking this occasion to share with you the principles that were poured into me and the stuff that I got a chance to observe so I want to I want to look at um, and I would encourage you to go and get the book at Amazon. Um, you can pick pick the book up at Amazon or you can go or you can go to my personal web store, rscblakesstore.com. But in chapter five, we talk about kings are intentional about relationships. Kings are not random or irresponsible in relationships. Kings are intentional about relationships. They are not, they are not, we are not random, nor are we irresponsible in terms of our relationship, relationships. Interesting um, observation I'm making starting this chapter out. It says the wisest and wealthiest king of the Bible was Solomon. When Solomon took the throne, God asked him what he wanted. What do you want? Can you can you imagine that? You know, and I write this in the book. Can you imagine God, the creator, the omnipotent, the all powerful one saying to you or to me, what do you want? I'm going to give it to you. A less mature man would say, uh, if you had asked me, if God had asked me that some decades ago, I would have said, man, I want a Rolex. I want a Rolls Royce. Always had extravagant taste. Uh, I, I want a 20,000 square foot mansion, you know, drop me 15 mil in the bank. But when you read uh, the, the account of Solomon in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 10, it says, um, and now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant. This is Solomon's answer to God's question. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who for who is able to judge this thy so great a people and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon uh, had asked this thing. So whereas, you know, if, if God had asked you or I and Solomon was a little boy, he, was, he wasn't a chronological man at the time, um, but he was behaving like a man because manhood happens between the ears, not between the dates on a calendar, not between the sheets in a bedroom. Manhood happens between the ears. Manhood is psychological more than it is biological. And so Solomon demonstrates this when he says, give me wisdom and discretion concerning people. So Solomon says to God, I want to be able to manage all of my relationships right on every level. So I need you to give me wisdom and discretion concerning people. Now, let me ask you a question. I know that we beat our chest and we call ourselves men, but when's the last time you really gave attention to wisdom and discretion 
concerning your relationships. And you know, when you think about it, um, what's destroying communities? What's destroying whole communities? It's the breakdown in the relationships between the men and the women. Now, in some communities, there are specific causes and reasons for this. And, but what's the cause when we're aware of the importance of these relationships, the importance of a husband-wife relationship, the importance of a father-children relationship, and we still do the less than wise or responsible thing. A king is known by his attention or the attention given to relationships. And you'll notice when you read this book, Kingology, that I interchange the term man and king frequently. I use them as synonyms because just like I say in Queenology, every woman's a queen, she's just not aware. Every man's a king, he's just not aware. Let's see. So Solomon prayed for discretion and wisdom to judge his relationships. Um, So he was wise enough to know, Solomon was wise enough to know that people may attach. This is another reason you need discretion and wisdom concerning your relationships. Because people may attach to a king that they might hitchhike a ride on your influence. If you're not wise and intentional in terms of who you let into your life, who surrounds you, who you connect yourself, connect yourself to, who you allow to attach themselves to you, you will find leeches riding on your life as a man and just leeching off of your influence and leeching off of your resources. Because when you think about it, many of a man's problems in life are for the people that he's surrounded by. How many brothers are in legal problems or in legal trouble right now, even in jail? For, for, for having done nothing but not have the wisdom to discern the people they surrounded themselves with. Some of you are watching this right now and you're in the room with some people that you know you shouldn't even be around. And, and the people that matter most have said to you, and you're chronologically, you're a grown man and the people have said to you, this is going to end bad. But you see, manhood again happens between the ears. It's psychological more than it is biological. Now, it's it's important that a man understands the wisdom to discern relationships intentionally because at the end of the day, a king has a multitude of decisions to make. And just about all of the king's choices will impact the stability of the kingdom. Knowing people is mandatory. Knowing a snake when you see one is mandatory. Knowing a bum when you see one is mandatory. Knowing um, a traitor when you sniff out one is mandatory. Because what happens to the king always impacts the kingdom. I, I, well, I know how to play. I won't say I play because I haven't played in years. Can't seem to find many people in my, <laughs> in my circle that, that uh, desires and knows how to play. Chess. 
And on the on the board, uh, the king is probably the most boring piece on the board, but he's the most important. Because if the king goes, the game is lost. The kingdom is gone. And so a king has to make extremely wise moves because if he loses, everybody loses. See, if, if you're just hanging out with people that have a criminal tendency and are more than likely going to have a visit from the police at some point and you're over there every day. Well, when you go down, Junior's going down, uh, little Sally going down, wifey going down, mama going down, siblings going down. Every, you don't go down by yourself. You drag everybody down. So a king conscious man, and I don't know why I'm stressing this, is very intentional about his relationships. Now, in the process, when we look at Solomon's um, prayer, he says, God, give me understanding that I may be able to discern people what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. King conscious men always seek understanding. When's the last time you prayed to understand others? When is the last time you asked God to give you an understanding about your wife, your girlfriend, your children, your parents, your friends, your coworkers? You know, no, most of the time we just run off with what we feel, how we feel, and everybody's supposed to, you know, lockstep with that. When the reality is that kings always seek to understand, watch this, over being understood. When you really become a man in your consciousness, in your psychology, you begin to seek to understand those around you more than you're seeking to be understood. That's the key to a long and healthy marriage. It's when a man learns uh, to seek to understand his wife rather than trying to force his position down her throat. He seeks to understand her. The man that seeks to understand will never have to fight to be understood. Because when you seek to understand those in your circle, they will always strive. They will honor you and they will always strive to understand you. Watch this and to please you. Talking out of personal experience. When a man knows who he is and is secure in his power and position, he seeks to understand those whom he has oversight of because kings rule with empathy. What is empathy? It's the ability one possesses to be able to understand and feel another person's position uh, without forcing your selfish position putting yourself in a place where you understand and you feel the other person's position. Now, let me read this. The previous statement alone challenges most of what we've been taught about being a man. Talking about kings ruling with empathy. Society makes us believe that ruling is about enforcing our selfish will upon everyone around us. As a consequence, we feed the narcissistic gene that tends to reside within the male psyche. I believe I'm no, th I'm no therapist, I'm no psychologist, I'm no counselor, just a man and a preacher. But I believe within every man there is uh, a socially conditioned gene, 
narcissistic gene that is planted in our minds. And what is that? What does that mean? That means we have the capacity within us to be so selfish and self-centered that we will hurt everyone around us. And that's from one degree to another, some more, some less. But every man, especially in my opinion, in the United States of America, has this tendency to be narcissistic. And when we are, we destroy everything in our care from our women to our children, to our friends, to our co-workers and even to sibling relationships. Most men fail to understand that a king is not a tyrant. This is why I spend so much time building and pouring into uh, the sisters. It's because I'm aware that generations of people just like me, dudes, men, we have destroyed the psyche of women. We have depleted the self-esteem of our women. We have broken the souls of our women. And therefore, it is our responsibility to replenish what we have destroyed. Every man that's watching me should have a heart that you're going to do your best to build women up every, at every turn. At every turn. Because a true king, and remember I use the terms king and man interchangeably, as synonyms one of the other, a true king is simply a powerful servant. When a king fails to understand the people he's assigned to, he breeds rebellion and dysfunction. You have to understand that the more power you're given, it means that the greater servant you are, the greater your capacity to what? Serve. So as I walk around this house and I'm the man of my house, in every respect, you can call my wife and ask her. I'm the man of my house. I don't walk around like a tyrant. I, I respect my wife's opinion. In fact, about it, she makes most of the decisions. When I say, no, I, I want to do it this way, she respects that, and we do it that way. I, I, I ain't no punk by no stretch of anybody's imagination. No monkey man right here. I'm a real dude. I'm a real man. And I got a strong woman that honors me and submits to, to my leadership. But that's because I live as, as a powerful servant. I serve my wife. My wife doesn't just submit to me. My, I serve my wife. You know, I'm, I'm checking in with my wife, making sure that she's all right. Does she need anything? Does she need me to help her with anything? I'm not a tyrant. I'm a servant. I'm a servant leader as a man. And so that's how I I build my relationships as a servant leader, never as a never as a, you know, egomaniac, never arrogant and all of the other things that play into, uh, you know, uh, misogynistic culture, toxic uh, manhood, toxic masculinity. When a man does not seek a sincere understanding of his people, he sets himself up for failure. For instance, the husband who does not understand his wife is destined for a quarrelsome relationship and has nothing to be compared to a woman in rebellion. Uh, a father um, who doesn't seek to understand his children to effectively guide them will ultimately lose them. A co-worker that doesn't seek the, the well-being of those around him will always have contention. A boss that does not have a sense of empathy and seek to understand his employees will always be interviewing. 
because when a man does not seek a sincere understanding of his people like Solomon did, he sets himself up for failure. Listen to what the Bible says in first Peter three and seven. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them talking about the wives dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of light that your prayers be not hindered. He says, uh, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Now, where does this knowledge come from? This knowledge is largely attained through selfless observation of the, of the wife's tendencies and her needs. You, you don't learn about your wife at the barbershop. Those dudes ain't married to your wife. You learn about your wife through observation. You should be learning about your, your wife to be your girlfriend through observation of her tendencies and a recognition of her needs. Every man should give himself to understanding his woman. I ain't giving myself to understanding no woman. I ain't no punk. Well, see, those kind of dudes there, they 50, 60, 70 years old, don't have no significant relationships. And when they really need some people around them to help them, they ain't got nobody because they've lived their lives foolishly. A wise man seeks not to run around and sleep around with all of these different women. A wise man seeks to find his wife. And build a life. A fool is seeking a relationship with a woman for a night while a wise man is looking for a relationship with a woman for a life. So a man gives intentional attention to the things that matter. And again, the foundation of classical manhood is selfless service to society or to others. Uh, let's see. I have just a few minutes here. Let's talk about the king's vital relationships. Number one, a man's relationship with God. I'll read from the book. A man is never complete without his connection to God. Even in the beginning, Adam did not become vibrant until God breathed into him. The breath of life. I am certain that men from a diversity of spiritual levels and persuasions are reading this book. Let me help you at this point. When I talk about a man and his relationship to God, I am not referring to religion whatsoever. Sometimes the most anti-God factor is religion. There's a vast difference between religion and relationship. The reason we have so many corrupt brothers in the church is because they are pursuing religion apart from an authentic relationship with God. Religion cannot transform. A man is only transformed by a relationship with Christ. You need to have a personal and a real relationship with the Lord for yourself. And watch this. That doesn't necessarily happen at an altar and in the church. Sometimes that happens right there in your bedroom, in your restroom or in your car or in the shower, you know. But at some point, every man has to come to a place where you seek the almighty and you ask him to make himself known to you and make himself real to you. And you begin to develop a personal walk in relationship and fellowship with him for yourself. Now, let me see something here. Um, 
And I go through the chapter. I'll let you read this when you get it. I talk about my own personal experience. When I found Jesus, I found myself as a man. I really didn't become a man until I moved away from religion, the Baptist religion. And I'm still Baptist in that sense, but um, I'm not religious. You know, it wasn't until I developed a personal had a personal encounter with God that my life really transformed. And that's what I'm saying to you today in a nutshell. You need to seek a personal relationship with the Lord for yourself uh, that you might see your life transform. Uh, Number two, a man's relationship with his wife. Vital relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife. Every, Every real man ought to be seeking to have a wife. I mean, unless you just, you know, don't want to be married, you know, for whatever reason. Um, But in my opinion, if we're going to really deal with classical man, if you want to lay down in the bed and make babies, you want to be married. You know, in my in my opinion, I mean, every man got to make his own decisions and you got to live the consequences of your own choices. But secondly, is a man's relationship with his wife. Why would you keep a girlfriend for 10, 5, five 10, 15 years? You know, you've been, a, been with a woman a year and um, two years, three years, four years, five years. And you don't know that this is wife material. Why would you stay with a woman that's not wife material? And why would you not wife a woman that is? Let me say that one more time so the people in the back can understand. Why would you stay with a woman for 5, 10, 15 years, that's not wife material. And then why would you not wife one that is wife material? It's amazing how we look over the quality of our women. And then when another man shows interest, then all of a sudden, you know, we feeling it. And I ain't judging you. I've been there and done that. Almost gave my wife away. We ain't got her back real quick. I noticed somebody's asking, what about girlfriends? Of course, it matters how a man treats all women. However, there is no divine covenant between a man and his girlfriend. A man's relationship to his wife is absolutely vital. The relationship that truly impacts or impairs a man's future is his relationship with his wife. Notice I said it impacts or impairs his future. The quality of the the woman you choose to walk alongside you is massively responsible for the kind of future you will enjoy or dread. You're not a wise man to try to make a wife out out of a woman that's not aware of who she really is. It's something to think about. Now, um... What is a wife? Every woman is not a wife, yet all women have wife potential. However, all have not embraced the development process. A man must be capable of differentiating between those women who are conscious of their inner greatness and those who are not conscious. A woman must be aware of her inner greatness to manifest it. A wife is one who knows who she is and what she possesses. Genesis 2 and 18 says, and the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet. The first wife was defined by God as the man's help. A wife is the man's help. 
A wife is the man's soulmate. She is ordained by God to help him to manifest his potential. So that means, watch this, a man that is doing nothing does not need a wife because a wife is designed to help a man to do something. And a man that's doing something is not a wise man that chooses a woman that can't help him to do what he's doing. A man who is struggling with insecurities and self-esteem issues is not a good candidate uh, for a wife or for a husband. A wife is a grown, capable, and gifted woman reserved for a comparable man. She's a queen paired with a king. It is tragic to place a wife in the care of a man-child. Don't be a man-child. Be a king. Okay, let me see. I, I got to hurry this along now. Uh, so your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife, and I'm skipping over a lot. You're going to get so much more out of the chapter. Number three, a man's relationship with his children. And a man's relationship with his children starts with his relationship to their mother. So it doesn't matter that you and the, you and the mother may be at odds. You have to understand as a man that the way you handle your children's mother is going to leave a psychological imprint on your children for the rest of their lives. The single greatest thing a man may do for his children is to love their mother. Before kids hear anything you may say, I'm reading from the book, they are observing the interaction between you and the person they knew before they entered the world. They knew their mother from the womb. You cannot mistreat a child's mother and love the child properly. When you abuse your children's mother, you are directly abusing your children and you are destroying the potential for a healthy and happy future with your children when they become adults. They may tolerate you, but they'll never have the kind of respect for you that they should have when they've observed you abuse their mother. A man must also be present in his children's lives. You can't just run around and never show up for your children. Come on now. Man, I was traveling all over the country and my son was playing football. He played football, you know, all you know, from a little child on up into college. And, uh, man, I would fly back from a place just to be at a game and then catch a late flight out to go back wherever I needed to be. It was just, but I was, I was, I was intent on being present. My children will never be able to look me in the eye and say to me, you wasn't there. You wasn't, man, you ought to, you, you got to be there. You see, you say, oh, but I pay for them. And you should. You got to show up financially. But let me tell you something. The mother of your children should respect your financial contributions. Your children don't have a clue about tuition and shoes and clothes and dance and football gear. They don't have a clue about the cost of that stuff. What they do care about is that when they look out in the audience, they see you 
When they look up in the stands, they see you. And when they know that you went through all kinds of, jumped through all kinds of hoops to be there, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars just to be present. Because as a father, in my relationship with my children, I got to be present. Now, fathers provide an example of manhood for their sons, and they infuse self-esteem into their daughters. The princess needs the king's voice. The prince needs the king's praise. Did you hear that? The princess needs the king's voice. Baby, you're beautiful. You know, baby, you're beautiful. You're the most beautiful thing in the world. Daddy loves you. Your princess needs that from you. You have to learn as a man how to connect with your daughters emotionally. I know you love her, but you have to connect with her emotionally. You got to let her know you love her. Now, what the, what, the, what the little prince needs, the little mini you, he needs your praise. Boy, you bad. You bad. My man, my man, give me some. Number one, you know, he needs your praise because he's, he's living his life to do what? He's living his life to impress you. He wants his daddy around to be able to say, my man, is, is, is he, he at the top of the game. Come on now. He don't need you beating him down and criticizing him. He needs you to build him up. Because when you do that, you infuse what? You infuse confidence in him to go out and to take the world like the king he is. But he needs that from his daddy. It's cool to get it from his mama, but when his daddy says it, his chest pokes out. My pops is proud of me. My pops saw me run that touchdown. My pops loved my report card. My pops saw me hit the three-pointer. My pops was there when I played in the band. My pops is proud of me. Come on now. Use your social media to celebrate your children. Don't stop just putting all the liquor and cigars on social media. Put your children on social media sometime. Talk about how much you love your children, how proud you are of your son, how beautiful your daughter is. Let their mama be able, y'all may not be together, but let their mama be able to show them, look what your daddy said about you. You're, you're, You're preparing them for their future. See, what you do today with your daughter determines if she will walk like a queen tomorrow. What you do with your son today determines if he will have the consciousness of a king tomorrow. (sighs) Another thing relative to our relationship to our kids, um, we must respect our children. You know, now, if you come out of a black um, religious culture like I come from, Everything about beating them, you know, beat, that's, that's the kind of stuff I would beat them, beat them, beat them, beat them, beat them, beat the life out of you, you know what I mean? And God knows sometimes, you know, we did some things that, you know, yeah. But a lot of that stuff, could, we could, we could, they could have really just had some serious conversation with us, and we would have got it together. You ain't got to just be jumping on your children all the time, never loving on them. You got to respect your children, man. Respect their opinion, listen to them. Don't cut them off. Don't tell them shut up. You know, because you're 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 diminishing them psychologically every time you tell them to shut up. It means that they never learn to speak up for themselves and they have to learn that at home before you release them into the world. And so they need to have a pops that is a strong man. He's the enforcer. He going the end of the day, he going to have the last say, but he's going to at least hear me out. Let, let them let your children start telling you their position. What now? Why do you think you need to do this? Why do you think you're right? And then let them have their say. And then if you disagree with them, tell them why you disagree with them and tell them why you're saying no. Or watch this. If it's really not big, that big of an issue, what you do is if you still don't agree with it, you say, no, I don't agree with it. 
But I'm going to let you make your choice right here because you got to teach them to make decisions before you turn them loose. And you're going to have to live with the consequences. So we're going to see how this works out. And if it doesn't work out, we had this conversation. And so now what you're doing is you're, you're, you're not raising children. You're raising men and women. See, they may be 10 and 12, but you're raising a man. You're raising a woman, a partner that is respecting them and allowing them to have an opinion so that they find their voice while they're in your home before they leave your care. So that when they leave your care, they have a voice. That if your daughter runs into a man that is, is not treating her right, she's already found her voice. I don't agree with that. Uh, I'm not standing for that. My daddy didn't raise me like that. Why, why are you uh, talking to me like this, sir? <laughs> but see, that's your responsibility to train that as, as a man in your relationship with your children. And then number four, and finally in this chapter, I talk about a man's relationship with spiritual authority. Every man, and I write this from the context of being a Christian and being a pastor, and I even have a pastor. I believe personally that every man needs a man. I believe that. Who, who, who are we going to be accountable to? You know, every in that, that part of this chapter, if, if say you're not a person that's in a religious context, you're not in church or whatever. But every man needs a man that he's accountable to. That's what it boils down to. Somebody that's in tune to God, somebody that's living his life the right way and will check you. And you have enough respect for him to allow him to check you so that if, if you off base with your wife or your girlfriend or your children, this is the dude that can get you right. Because the Bible says that there's safety in the multitude of counsel. Now, for me, I need, you know, I, I, I need um, I need spiritual counsel because I have a lot of decisions to make and I have a lot of people that I'm responsible for. So I have to be submitted to somebody, a man that I have respect for. And every man needs that kind of relationship. It's bad to be out here living your life and nobody can see what you're posting on social media and call you and say, man, why'd you do that? That's not wise. That's not that's not helping your image. That, that could mess you up on your job. That could mess your career up. That could you know how much stuff that I've put up on social media foolishly. And I had somebody to call me and say, man, take that down. That doesn't reflect who you are. In fact, about it. People are going to misunderstand you if you leave that up there. All of us got to have that, bro. You got to have it. I got to have it. So a man should be led to lead. It's not who you're over. It's who you're under. And um, every man needs a relationship with a strong man who will bring out the best in him. I just kind of cherry pick through the chapter. But there it is. Kingology, man. That was chapter number five. That was chapter number five. I uh, think I'm right. Yeah, yeah, chapter five. Kings are intentional, intentional about their relationships. I pray you got something out of this. And what I need you to do for me before I go, I need every man, every dude that's watching this, I need you to send me an email at rcblakesministries at gmail.com 
just saying yes if you would like to see me do what I'm getting ready to um, present. I'm thinking about doing an online, a one-day deal, because I know how we are as dudes. We have short attention spans. Thinking about doing a one-day Kingology cyber conference like I did Queenology. And we'll, we'll spend about three, four hours together. We'll have a break and all of that so I can let you go and get your sandwich and everything, and then we'll come back. If that's something you're interested in, and what we'll do is in that cyber conference, we won't necessarily cover the content in the book because honestly, if you search my channel, I've done about four chapters of this book already. We're going to go into some deeper stuff relative to manhood. We're going to go into some deeper stuff. And I would, I would love to do it, but I just need to know that I have, if I can get 100 brothers that will hit me up and say, I'm in, I want to do it. Oh, man, I promise you, it's on like Donkey Kong. But I need you to I need you to hit me up. I need you to email me at R.C. Blake's Ministries um, at Gmail dot com. This is going to be an entire movement. It's going to be an entire movement. And I want you to be a part of it. Father, I thank you for every man that's on here. I thank you, God, for causing my words to sink into their heart. And allow them, dear God, to be transformed by them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you need counseling, there's a link in the description for BetterHelp Counseling. That's a group that we're partnered with. And I recommend you to them because they are proven and trusted. And if you need counseling, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do it over the phone or by way of the internet, especially in these times. So if you need that, Go and follow the link. Also, don't forget to stop by Amazon. Pick up the book, Kingology. Uh, as I said, the study guide is there as well. And um, make certain that you send me that email if it's something you think would, you know, work for you. If we did a one-day cyber conference for the kings. I would love to do it, but I need to know that it's something you'd want uh, to have done. So I love you. I thank God for you. Don't forget to sign up for my mailing list, rcblakes.com, right on the front page. Hit the button and sign up for my mailing list. I would love to have you in my in my email uh, family so that when I put stuff out, you'll be the first to know. And just know that I love you. Lisa and I love you. And you are a king. You were born to be a king. And that's who you are, my brother. If you would like more information or for other resources, please visit us on the web at rcblakes.com.